Welcome to Stream Theory. My name is Jackson, and on the other line, we have Thomas Flight of the YouTube channel Thomas Flight. How hello, you doing, hello. Thomas? I'm doing good. I've never asked you if you want to be called Thomas or, or Tom. Do people call you Tom? I go by Thomas. Uh, my parents were very insistent when I was young that nobody call me Tom or Tommy, so I just always stuck with that. I Yeah, similarly, I'm Jackson, not Jack or anything like right, that. Right, yeah. It works out well because now most of the other uh, like people I meet named Thomas go by Tom or Tommy, and yeah. so there's already like a distinction. Nice. One question I've always had about Thomas's is how come when you shorten it, it doesn't keep the H? It's a good question. I feel like if I started going by Tom at any point, I would definitely keep the age just for style. <laughs> Do you points. think people will call you Thom? That might be a problem then. We would have to find out. This is Thomas Flight. Thomas Flight. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, so here, here we are. We're going to talk about some of the streaming news because um, when we started this podcast, it was all kind of abstract and nothing had happened yet. And all of a sudden, now Apple TV Plus is out, Disney Plus is out, and HBO Max has a launch date. So yeah. we have like real stuff to talk about now. It's not, you know, speculation anymore. We can actually talk about this. This is exciting. I think the announcement of Disney Plus was like one of the catalysts for sort of the two of us starting this whole discussion and then eventually creating this podcast. So the fact that we're at the Disney Plus launch is kind of like the first um I don't know. It, it, it was around that. I don't know about you, but it was around that Disney Plus announcement that I started thinking like this is about to blow up and get really kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't I don't know if I I don't know if there was like a trigger point for me because just this stuff has been maybe coming for a little while. But it definitely yeah. this is definitely a turning point, I think. Um, sure. Or maybe the starting point. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, history and this podcast will document whether this is uh, this is the like beginning of the end the beginning of a new era the you know midpoint i look That's... forward to being in a documentary in you know 2030 yeah. <laughs> our little podcast about the about how the the streaming bubble bursts <laughs> right yeah and everyone everyone has failed now it's, it'll yeah. be it'll probably be just as catastrophic as the housing bubble um, i'm sure yeah it would be very like that's what causes the the next recession is like the streaming bubble pops. Every like, couple months, I get down this YouTube hole of just watching clips from the Big Short and oh yeah, and and getting angry about the housing crisis, which is hilarious because I've never actually sat down and watched the Big Short from beginning to end. I've just seen it's worth watching. I've seen the entire thing on YouTube in in segments. <laughs> That's like me and the uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, which oh, actually yeah. I have I have watched in its entirety, but mostly I just watch the same like five clip, five scenes that are on YouTube over and over again. Also, a movie about people being terrible. <laughs> in yeah, the financial. Right. Uh, <laughs> We're getting distracted already, but it's super weird yes. to watch the clips of the Big Short because it's directed by Adam McKay and Jeremy Strong is in it, and Adam McKay directed uh the first and he created like uh succession or helped create succession and jeremy strong is in that too and he's like completely he's in a suit in both of them but he's completely different characters and it's very 
uncanny. It really throws me for a loop every time. Yeah, I watched um, uh, The Big Short long before I was aware of Succession. So it like in my, I didn't even know who Jeremy Str- Jeremy Strong was not on my radar. Um, and then I went and watched Succession and loved it and uh, just rewatched some clip from The Big Short recently. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that guy. He's in there. Uh, I totally didn't even realize. <laughs> and like the settings and the colors and just the camera work are all very similar. Yeah. And yeah. he's like also like a finance bro. So it's very yeah, it's it's very it's very weird to me to watch, but um, maybe it's we'll talk like maybe, two two characters from the same world, but they're very like yeah, they're very different. They're like parallel dimensions. Um, <laughs> one where he's successful and one where he's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as much as I would love to talk about Succession and uh, HBO and everything, I think we should start off by talking about Disney Plus, which has yes actually launched. Um, it launched on November eleventh. It we are recording this on the eighteenth, so it's been just about a week. And uh, I mean, I signed up for it. You signed up for it. I guess the, where I want to start by talking about this, though, is how do you think the rollout of this went? Because, you know, I, I went to sign up for it or the day before or something like that. I had meant to do it before, but, you know, things fell behind and I was like, oh, yeah, Disney Plus is launching tomorrow. Make, let's make sure that I, I'm signed up for this. And the site just did not work at all the day before. And um, that made me very nervous and not at all surprised when the next day there were a lot of technical failures. <laughs> um, but it seems like it's it's up and going now. Yeah, it seems to be running OK at this point. I I signed up for it like a week or two ahead of time. And so I just d- downloaded the app, you know, when it was released. Uh, but then I did have problems like in the app, like things just not loading or like server failure or whatever. But as far as like actually watching stuff, I never had any problems. Yeah, same. And right now I have I'm looking at it right now and it's all running very smoothly. So maybe all that we were running into were was just the the initial like at literally everyone getting on at the same time. Yeah. Ten million people trying and, to do the same thing. It's a small country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just anecdotally, I mean, it's too early to really have any kind of metrics or anything like that. But um, anecdotally, everyone seems everyone I know seems to be like very excited about this. Part of it seems to be that the price point is very affordable and that, um, you know, I've heard just people on the street who I would not peg as being super in the know, knowing that you can bundle Hulu and ESPN Plus and Disney Plus together and it's a good deal. And, um, you know, kind of pitching that. I've seen a lot of commercials for it on uh, on TV, and it just seems like it's really taking off. People are really excited to watch all their old favorite Disney Channel shows and just have their entire DVD collection at the, you know, the click of a button. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder how if that initial like burst of nostalgic viewing, if that's like a sustainable, you know, you're kind of getting access. Like I, I'm hearing similar things or like a lot of do- adults who are like, oh, yeah, I got it. And then I went back and watched like these three, you know, childhood favorites um of mine and so there's there's an initial value there but i wonder if like people will continue to do that on like an ongoing basis and continue to dive into those things if they haven't been people who own or um like are already doing that sort of viewing yeah and if if there's if they're uh well i'll leave that there because (laughs) my second thought is more of a tangent but yeah i was just gonna i was just gonna jump in and say 
that, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about Netflix being really good at and how, you know, in our first our first episode, which I'm not even sure if it was our first aired episode or if it was just our like pilot one. But we we talked about how Netflix considers their biggest competitor, YouTube, um, in their internal records, their their letter to their shareholders, um, mainly because they view themselves as a place where you can hang out and just watch content at your own leisure. And Disney Plus feels very much in that vein, and they already have a very strong brand identity. I can definitely see people just hanging out on Disney Plus and being like, oh, what do I want to watch? Oh, I could watch this movie. Like, I could... And there's a whole wide range of stuff. You could watch, you know, an action movie like Rogue One or... Uh, the Mandalorian, which we'll talk about more, or you can watch cartoons for kids, or you can watch Remember the Titans, or you can watch um, Disney Channel shows that you grew up on, or any number of other things. And they didn't really launch it with a whole lot of original programming. So once that starts to come in, then they're going to, I think it was really smart to kind of stagger that so it wasn't overwhelming and they can have news coming out whenever they're ready for it. Yeah. Uh, on first impression, I think the app itself and the interface and stuff like that is is really strong. The fact that they're coming out of the gate with something that feels on par with Hulu and Netflix, which are two of the better ones out there. You know, I don't I don't think it's better than Netflix, depending on what you want. But uh, that's something I appreciate uh, and that I think matters probably more than people. And I think plays into that idea that it's a place you could go to hang out because if it's very easy to use and you can just open it up and find something thing to watch um you know the i think the interface of the app plays a big role in that because there's some there's some services i'll just never do that with because you know the the process of op- opening up the app or using the interface to find something to watch is so difficult and cough, hard cough, that, hbo now yeah yeah uh that i would just never use it that way um i think the strength of the interface definitely plays into that for disney plus like you said it's super easy to navigate it comes up right away the first thing that you see are the four tabs for Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic. A little weird to see National Geographic next to those four, but whatever. Um, and then the next the next kind of bar, like Netflix kind of scroll, is just the original shows. So that's kind of the all of the stuff that you might come there for originally. And then once you scroll down, you can see recommended for you, um, any of their movies or anything that's trending, like all that kind of normal stuff. But before you even have to, to dig at all, the stuff that you would come there for is just immediately available. Which, you know, I guess now's as good a time as any to say this. You know, when we had talked previously about Disney Plus, you know, I'd kind of expressed that, like, I don't think I'm the target audience for this and that the main interest I have in this service is, uh, you know, if out of any of these things, the thing I'm a most most the fan of is probably Star Wars. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but that's probably the fandom of these Disney besides the, you know, of course, the National Geographic Cinematic Universe. I'm a huge fan of. (laughs) But besides that, Star Wars is probably the thing I'm most interested in. So the Mandalorian is the main draw for me here. Um, But like looking through the library and kind of getting acquainted with it, I think I'm probably like the odd one out uh, in the midst of all like the positive feedback and the praise and looking at this. I'm less like this looks really great there's a lot of great content here there's a lot of like quality stuff but just not for you. i it's not for me and so it's like 
you know, what originals continue to come out and the quality of those originals are definitely like the deciding factor um, for me here. And and I could see we'll get more into the Mandalorian later, but I could I could see there being being enough there for me to hang on. I really like the Jeff Goldblum National Geographic uh, kind of like travel series thing. Uh, that is one of the few originals that released. Yeah. So I think just quickly before we we move on to talk about our other news and then the Mandalorian, I think it's worth just pointing out that all of the Netflix shows or sorry, uh, Freudian slip, all of the Disney Plus shows that have come out so far are all other than the Mandalorian are very much in in the Netflix or I did it again in the Disney wheelhouse of uh, brand identity. So there's High School Musical, uh, the musical, the TV series. There's Lady and the Tramp live action. There's Kristen Bell having uh, going around the country and finding people who performed in musicals as in high school and getting them to re reunite and do it again. Um, there's like you said, Jeff Goldblum just kind of being uh, charming and explaining, you know, the world. There's all these other things. There's the Hero Project and all these other things that are very much family oriented. Um, you and I don't have any any kids. Um, so I think that part of the the targeting for Disney Plus is for parents and for families so that there's a little bit for everybody. Um, so maybe that's what they're missing with us. But I, I imagine that there's going to continue to expand in multiple directions here. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. My my first impression is like it's really strong, but I don't see it as like a huge threat to Netflix because the to me it seems like the content that is here at least for now is so different um, from what you get on Netflix, and maybe that's just my impression because of the kind of content that I see on Netflix because of what I watch on there. Right. Um. You know, and I'm sure there will probably be some people who are using their Netflix mostly for like kids stuff, uh, kids shows who will probably bail um for this uh they might you know bleed some some subscribers but for for someone like me i think a lot of people my age it's not going to be like hey do i have disney plus or netflix it's you know i th these feel like two that could coexist um fairly well to me but that could easily change as the platform sort of develops and they add more content yeah and i think that something that is underrepresented in the talk about this news is that Netflix and streaming are so synonymous with each other that it's going to take people are coming at it with their best shot um, to, to steal a line from the wire. You come at the king, you best not miss. But yeah. I mean, they're going to need their best shot. Um, yeah. It's anything, anything less than that is not going to unseat them. Um, so I agree with you. I think that this low price point is much more likely to coexist with Netflix rather than unseat them. But I, I guess we'll see, you know, could easily be wrong. And, you know, in the next three months, they might throw out a couple of originals that really start bleeding Netflix dry. Yeah, we'll find out. I I think um, I don't know this. The, there's certain things that I want to say that I think kind of uh, dovetail into our discussion of the Mandalorian itself. So yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm finding myself in the same boat. Do you want to just do you want to just do that? Or um, do you think that we should just quickly get to this other news first? Let's let's hit some other news and then I think we can uh, we can come back. All right, let's do it back to the Mandalorian. But quick, a break for our sponsors. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Asper uh, Mattress. <laughs> now would be a great time for one of those. We could launch our own streaming service right here. It's 
called this YouTube. uh this episode of streaming wars is brought to you by disney plus um <laughs> they're paying us but we have totally unbiased uh, opinions <laughs> yeah uh that's yeah y- you won't think that i'm biased for disney once we start talking about the mandalorian but um <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> anyways um so some of the quick news that we wanted to hit before we talk about the the juicy stuff is uh hbo max uh, released a launch date and some more information about their platform. Uh, we also want to talk about Apple TV Plus, which came out uh, and has some stuff to to discuss. And yeah. uh, Discovery Channel, there's some some news about the Discovery Channel. So uh, which one of those three stories do you want to hit first, Thomas? Uh, let's just hit on the uh, HBO Max real quick. I think we've talked about this to a certain extent before. I don't remember completely, but uh, they've they've announced a release date for May 2020. Um, Which is right about where we thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds about right. And um, it's going to be $15 a month and basically replace uh, HBO Now, it seems like. Um, it's a weird sort of thing where people who have HBO Now will will have access to HBO Max. So I guess it's going to exist as a separate service, but it doesn't cost anything more than HBO Now. Um, and it's basically going to have everything that HBO Now has plus other content. Um, so I guess part of that is that also like HBO Go subscribers don't get access to HBO Max. Um, I don't know if that's if that's the case, because uh, it seems like they're specifying only that HBO Now subscribers are getting access, um, which seems weird because I think most of the time people are paying at least the same or more for HBO Cable, which comes with HBO Go. Do you want do you um, want to just explain because um, this is a question I've run into and um, at times have had. But do you know what the difference is between HBO Now and HBO Go? Essentially, they're identical services that have exactly the same content on them and look exactly the same. The only difference, as far as I know, is one you have if you have HBO, if you pay for HBO cable, um, the cable service, you get HBO Go as a part of that. Um, and you can just log in to HBO Go uh, with your login credentials that you get set up through your cable service. Um, HBO Now, you can purchase independently of owning HBO as a cable channel. Gotcha. So, yeah, it would seem odd to me if HBO Go users don't also get you know access to HBO Max if HBO Now users are. I'm also a little worried about their rollout here. I mean, it's still a ways away, but I have basic questions about just logistics because there are so many like we've been like we've already touched on. There's so many different HBO apps like I currently get my HBO through Hulu. I have those bundled together. Is that going to continue to be a thing? I have no idea because now Hulu is going to become much more clearly an offshoot of Disney. Um, and HBO Max is clearly a competitor with Disney now that they're both launching their own streaming services. So, I mean, they haven't addressed that. I'm not sure how many people do that. So that might not be that big a, a news story, but it's definitely something that I am personally concerned about. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's it just seems strange, like the, the fact that they're doing a transition from HBO now into HBO Max. Like it, it is actually a separate service, even though you're getting it for free if you already subscribe to HBO now. It's just like, why? Why not just take HBO now and just upgrade it, call it Max and be like, oh, we added a bunch of content. You know, what's the difference here? My main hope for this is that uh, HBO Max will come with a brand new, not terrible uh, app that is actually usable. 
cable, unlike HBO Now and Go. Which is terrible. Um, I agree. Yeah. Yes. So we will see. Uh, I'm not I'm not holding my breath, but uh, but it feels like <laughs> this would be their opportunity to actually like, you know, not have the worst app out there. An opportunity. We'll see how they capitalize. OK, next quick hitting story is um, let's touch on Apple TV Plus, which is out. Um, it came out a couple weeks before Disney Plus and it launched its four original TV shows, which are The Morning Show, C, and two other ones that I have to look up real quick. Uh, Dickinson, I think. Yes. Emily, like, and... hot Emily Dickinson is the, I think, yeah. the official title. And um, no, no, I just made that up. It's just Dickinson <laughs> and For All Mankind is the other one I was thinking about. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, there was so little buzz about this. Yes. Like, I feel like it didn't matter. Nobody cared. I heard a few people talk about it, but those were people who are like Apple people. Like they're talking about it because they talk about Apple. None of the TV people or movies people that I talked to said anything about Apple TV Plus. It might as well not exist uh, in the spheres that I go in. Basically, the only thing that I've heard is that all of the shows are bad. Um, except yeah, well, Dickinson. and that's what that's what I heard from the Apple people. Yeah, which I would expect to be like slightly more biased, you know, towards. I've heard I've heard lukewarm things on Dickinson, which is essentially Emily Dickinson meets Riverdale. Um, and it's like kind of campy and fun. Um, but I mean, all of these shows have been renewed for a second season before the app even launched. So there will be more of them. Um, a lot of people think that the morning show is just a dumpster fire that you can't look away from. It's it's a uh, it's like bad Aaron Sorkin uh, newsroom, like but with you know sounds Jennifer Aniston and sounds redundant, Reese. but okay, yeah. yeah. Um, bad bad <laughs> newsroom, bad newsroom. You didn't like the newsroom. Not a big fan. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that that's not the most popular opinion, but um, <laughs> anyways, I watched it. I watched it before. I think I had a more refined television palette, so I, I might think differently if I went back to it now. I just think I have less of a um, uh, tolerance. Not tolerance is the wrong word. I, I have less of an appetite for Sorkin dialogue, I think. And just well, and this is like Sorkin dialogue without what makes it interesting. It's be like if I tried to write Sorkin like dialogue, clever. Yeah, it's like Sorkin dialogue without the cleverness. <laughs> so they're just, just talking very fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, basically everything that I've heard is that um, from other people who report on this, like um, Bloomberg's Luke, Lucas Shaw, he basically was like Apple TV Plus is going to succeed because they don't care at all about the content. The content is just a lure to sell more phones um, in much the same way that Apple or uh, Amazon Prime video is mostly just a way to get you onto Amazon. Um, the real product here is the is the little box that they're selling, um, which there have been some hurdles for. But really, that's all they're trying. All of these shows are just very high budget marketing for that. And what they're really trying to do is is bundle all this stuff together and just try to get more people onto Apple, the brand. And he seems to be pretty bullish on that being successful. I don't I don't see any reason to disagree with him because Apple is super popular. Um, and the people who like Apple aren't going to care about these shows. And the people who don't like Apple probably aren't going to care about these shows. And I don't really know if they're going to move the needle either way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think Apple, the Apple TV plus thing speaks to like an interesting facet of this 
the whole streaming wars thing, which is that a lot of these companies and Netflix is kind of the odd one out here uh, in a lot of in this way is that like a lot of these companies do other things like Amazon Prime Video. Amazon is not Amazon's main source of income. Apple TV Plus, it's a computer company, you know, or like Comcast also sells Internet in addition to owning all the, you know, media production. That As does Time Warner with AT&T. Right. And Disney Plus is, you know, a streaming service, but they're making tons of money with, you know, theatrical uh, showings and theme parks and all these things. So, you know, it, part of like who wins out in these situations um, is going to come down to like who is willing to like bleed for a really long time, uh, you know, if they have to, to sort of like out survive everyone else. And I think with the Apple TV plus thing, it's like, it doesn't have to be successful. Like Apple has enough money to just, you know, run this whole thing as like a, you know, sideshow marketing device, you know, for its, its TV box, uh, if it wants to, and it'll just kind of come down to whether or not they feel like that's worth it to them. Um, and if it's successful, you know, I think that's more of a bonus than a necessity. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's a huge challenge that Netflix has, um, against them. But I also think that, I mean, I've heard, I've heard, um, People throw I've heard uh, reporters throw around the idea that Netflix might join or get bought up by, you know, other kinds of libraries like Paramount or um, right. Sony is hanging out there. Um, we just saw CBS and Viacom merge. So maybe not either of those, but, you know, also maybe I don't know. But yeah, I think that I think it's very they're all essentially playing the streaming game, but they're all playing it in very different ways because they all have different amount, different amounts of skin in the game. I think the other the other interesting thing that that we can kind of see through this Apple TV plus thing is like the fact that it takes experience to make a uh, like high quality TV. Um, you know, it's not just something you can somebody can come out of the gate and be like, here's a ton of money and just like throw it at something and right. pay for people and magically have, you know, HBO has consistently, you know, a high quality TV show running almost all the time because they know what to look for and they know how to do it. Um, and for somebody like Apple to just, you know, walk into that, it's going to take time for them to be able to sort of replicate that level of quality, uh, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, and there's just there's just institutional knowledge. I think that was one thing that yeah. really blew me away with the Disney Plus launch is even though it was a little shaky day one, hour one, you know, here we are a week later and everything is running super smoothly. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you had one other story about this uh, Disney Channel CFO that you wanted to to add in just as a data point. Yeah, so the Discovery Channel CFO just mentioned something about uh, creating a female skewing U.S. streaming service. Those are his words. Uh, and uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this. I think it's just another sort of like, yeah, like you said, data point along this progression of streaming just, you know, unfolding more and more. We're getting more of it. It's getting more specific. Um, you know, we're having larger streaming services coming in that are trying to come at the market as a whole. Um, and then we also have more and more people who are trying to like target a specific aspect 
of uh of the market and discovery owns a lot of content um they own about eight thousand hours of original programming a year that's not the discovery channel that encompasses like a lot of other stuff so uh, apparently they would have the content to pull something like this off um you know this wasn't an announcement this was just something he said uh and maybe nothing will come of it but i just think it's it, it doesn't seem to be slowing down i guess is what this what this tells me yeah and i guess my question for you is you know, if do you think that we're going to see more of these kinds of niche uh, streaming services pop up, whether uh, and, and we've seen this with film a little bit, whether it's um, there's a horror film streaming app and and some other stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, which whose name uh, eludes me at the moment, but it's not I don't know how important. Uh, it is. What is the horror one? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but do you think that we're going to see more of these kinds of things pop up? as the streaming wars continue or are they going to kind of get drowned out by the noise of these larger companies that maybe just end up buying them up or, or eating them? I think we're definitely going to see more of them. Um, and there's some of them like I subscribe to movie, which is like, a uh, um, you know, uh, they only have 30 movies at a time and it's like mostly indie art house cinema and it's, it's hand curated. Uh, they sponsor my channel. So I'm, you know, they pay me. Uh, I'm they're not paying me to say this. I actually use the service and watch it and pay for it myself. Um, but full disclosure there. But I like I like their service. It's something different. Um, and there's other services like that, like the horror one, which we can't think of the name of um, or like cracked, this. I think, um, is like you can actually pay for and they just have like random. No, that's that's wrong. Shutter. Shutter. Yeah, it's called so Shutter. You have things like Shutter. Um, what's the anime one called? Um, Jeez, you're really making me work here. Anime streaming. Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll. So you have things like Crunchyroll and Cracked and, you know, and I think more and more of these things are going to pop up. My question, I I don't know how many of them are going to survive. I think a lot of them will probably die and a few of them that are able to like sort of carve out their little niche and grab a, a corner of their market and can operate fairly like affordably will will be able to to continue on. But yeah, it seems like it seems like at this point it's you know, throw your hat in the ring. There's no there's no streaming service that's too obscure or invalid is 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 what people seem to be thinking anyway. I, I don't think that'll play out in the long run. But yeah, I think I tend to agree. I think there are definitely gonna be more before there's less, I guess is the way to yeah. put it out. I and and part of it's the larger question of like what is streaming and how is it going to work and what I think the sort of fantasy that we all had at the beginning when things like Netflix and Hulu first stepped onto the scene was like, oh, I'll be able to sign up for one service and watch everything. And like the way that we we sort of hoped for a moment that streaming would work the way that streaming music works, that like Spotify or uh, Apple Music works where you can sort of have a service and get access to a lot of a lot of things on that one service, even if it's not everything, a lot of right. TV shows or um, and that's sort of like your cable and you just use that service like a channel. And increasingly things are shifting more to like, no, the service is the channel and you just pay for a bunch of channels and sort of, you know, cobble together your own your own little thing, which if that continues to be the case, I think there will always be sort of a little market for these tinier things where it's just like some people just want, you know, the content you'll be able to get, uh, you know, shutter. Right. Uh, if it's not anywhere else and that's your thing. I think that a lot of people have, have kind of likened this to have have kind of put the the meme out there that, you know, this is just cable all over again. Um, I saw basically the meme from 
Star Wars where he's like, you were supposed to end Cable, not join them. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a little bit of a false narrative because part of the problem with Cable was that you were paying for a lot of channels that you weren't using. Um, yeah. That was a reason why a lot of people would cut the cord. They didn't want to pay. The way that Cable worked was that there were some channels that were very popular and they would all be subsidized by these kinds of big tent polls whether that's like ESPN or, or something else like that. Um, all these other channels you get, even though you're only paying, even though you're only watching, you know, one or two of them. But now I think you're really getting to pick and choose, which I do think is is a good thing. I saw someone doing the math on all of the different channels they would pay for, and they were like, oh, it's going to cost the same amount of, as cable. And I was like, not really sure why you're paying for stars or Showtime personally, but um, right, if you yeah. really want to do that, yeah, it's going to cost a lot of money. But And at the end of the day, though, if it even if it does come out flat, like if it does cost the exact same amount, you know, in my opinion, it's and it's a huge step up as far as the actual experience like you can binge stuff i can go directly to the show i want to watch and you know watch it i don't have to have a device that records the tv i don't have to look at ads on most services it's you know it, it is a little clunky to have to like jump between apps but like most platforms now you know if you're using a chromecast or a roku or whatever like you know makes that fairly seamless um so it's you know i think the upsides um are are way better even if it ended up costing the same um and yeah i think it's cheaper for most people if you're not you know subscribing to everything under the sun and and increasingly i think people won't be you know it's like you just can't watch you know there's there's too much content to be subscribed to six services and watching things yeah uh you know if you're subscribed to more than four or five there's several that you're not watching you know almost guaranteed so yeah, it's exactly. like you can i think what we'll see more of is probably like people cycling between things or like subscribing to things for a period of time uh to watch certain content um but yeah i don't know i we'll think that's see. interesting we'll see I, it, and and maybe just we'll put a pin in that talk about it later the idea of cycling through stuff because i yeah, I think that that's a really interesting idea, but I also think that a lot of people with subscriptions are kind of just set it and forget it. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't really have any data points for that, but something something to look into. Um, yeah. All right. We're going to take another quick break for our sponsors. <laughs> I can't, I can't say it without laughing. Um, and we're going to talk about the Mandalorian. So the Mandalorian is uh, the new is, is like the kind of flagship Disney Plus original that they're pushing. It stars Pedro Pascal as the uh, titular Mandalorian, which is a, a fancy word for uh, bounty hunter, I guess it. You know, the show doesn't go out of its way to really describe what a Mandalorian is. Um, if you're. Yeah, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay away from trying to explain any Star Wars lore on this because A, I don't really know. And B, I don't want to hear from all the people who do actually know. So, yeah. So if you know, <laughs> don't tell us. Um, <laughs> and if you don't know, it doesn't really matter for your consumption of the show. If, if you want to watch. Not it, even so. a little bit. Um, so. Uh, so two episodes of this are out. Um, the first episode came out on the Tuesday where the show launched. The second episode came out on Friday and it's going to be a Friday show moving forward. Um, so first thing I want to say is that's a really cool rollout. I like having the two episodes in the first week, um, and then kind of spacing out the rest of it. I think that's a nice middle ground. Yeah. But, um, I'm going to open up the floor for you and let you kind of give your impression of the first, the first two episodes. Well, I have mixed feelings about this. 
this, um, you know, as we talked about, I, this was both kind of the piece of content where we were like, okay, Disney Plus, Mandalorian, this is the, well, actually, I don't know if you had said that, but anyway, I had said the Mandalorian <laughs> is what's like got me interested in Disney Plus. And, uh, and it's a $12.5 million budget per episode. Per episode? Um, Per episode, uh, it's over a hundred million dollar budget for this entire season. So this is a show a Game that of Thrones stuff out of the gate. Yeah, we're talking about last season of Game of Thrones budget level. Um, and I pop this baby open, and what do we get? But like a like thirty two minute like runtime. Which first you know, episode is it, forty minutes. The second episode is thirty three minutes. Yeah. Um. And and that includes like the really long credits and the previously on like clip that they run at the beginning. So that's not my primary complaint but i'll say this i enjoyed it i think it's a fun little show that i'll keep watching fun little um, 10 million dollar an episode show but yeah it doesn't feel like the 10 million dollar an episode flagship like behemoth that i thought it was going to be to sort of like carry this whole thing and i guess so much of what i watch now is like the higher end the really good quality like netflix originals or like an hbo drama and like there's a real like weight to a lot of those things now and so i think like my expectations are kind of like shifted or uh like shaped by that and so to walk into something that feels a little it just it's super lightweight it's short and it's more like not juvenile but like it's definitely aimed at more of like a family audience or like you know it's meant for kids and adults to be able to like watch together yeah i guess i don't know why i i didn't <laughs> expect that because it seems like the obvious thing now from disney plus i think yeah i think you hit the nail on the head there i in terms of i'm not sure what what was expected i similarly felt i actually don't mind the runtime i like it on the short end i think that i think that like 30 minute dramas are something that should be more explored i think that there's like a lot of room for really interesting like snappy storytelling in that yeah um yeah. so i don't i don't have that complaints um and and I don't mean to be equating like oh it's short so it's bad right um, no no I know that it's yeah. not bad because it's short I think the runtime fits the story that they're telling I guess I was just like ultimately hoping for I guess unintentionally I discovered that I was expecting something more weighty and significant yeah I don't think that that's like on you um is what I want to want to start with I had a similar expectation that it was going to be more more i just thought it was going to be more and i yeah. think that the reason i thought that was because of the way it was being marketed i don't think that they were marketing it as a, a romp you know yeah. um yeah which is kind of what it is i i think that it's like an extremely flawed television show i know that it's a i know it's like star wars so i'm sure there's a lot of people who are not happy that i've said that and i know that there are a lot of people who are really happy with the show and you know good for them um, I think that as a as a television show, it's just like it's got some serious problems. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say <laughs> is I think it's really hard to care about about the the, the Mandalorian. Um, you never see his face. We don't know anything about him, really, except that he's supposed to be like this unstoppable warrior who's like two and two on the series so far in fights. Um, kind of gets his ass kicked right. a lot. <laughs> so he doesn't he's not quite as like badass as I 
expected him to be. And because you never see his face, it's very difficult to like empathize with him. They kind of made him into like this, this like badass killing machine who is like okay at fighting, I guess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is a weird, which is a weird sell. I think that they marketed it as this like super weighty, you know, bounty hunting is a complicated profession and they get all these like big names in it. And, you know, the first, I really liked, I actually really liked the first episode, um, for the most part. I thought there were some, some problems with it, but you know, I really liked that first scene where he shows up and he just like kills everybody. And I liked the the final shootout scene. I thought that was really well done. Um, although I thought that the robot he was fighting with was way better at fighting than he was. Um, <laughs> I would watch a show about that robot. I think I would watch a show about the two of them together. Um, but they're yeah. but they're not. I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. But I'm really surprised that you said it was a ten million dollar an episode show because they seem to go for the like they took that idea that the CGI was making people like characters impersonal and they went with like the puppet suits from the original trilogy and they don't look good. Um, That's that's my hot take. I don't <laughs> I thought it was really weird watching people like Nick Nolte in a puppet suit say I have spoken like three times an episode. That was bizarre. It's definitely it. Th- that whole thing is definitely a play to like the you know the 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 discussion of like w- CGI versus practical effects gets kind of like weird and um, stuff. But it, it definitely feels like a play towards sort of the nostalgia of like there's almost this like backlash uh, with Star Wars because of its whole history where it's like oh it started as this original trilogy that had this certain type of effect and then a lot of people complain about the George Lucas, you know, stuff that he's done since then. So it's like as a way of distancing ourselves from all the Star Wars stuff that people hate, we'll just not have CGI, um, which is a thing that some people really like. You know, I kind of get like almost a kick out of it. Like it's sort of goofy and fun. It is goofy, but like, which I think is fun in a show that isn't trying to be serious show about bounty hunting. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the hell this show is trying to be. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a similar I had a very similar feeling where I was just like I felt taken off guard almost. Um and I think I'm I think I maybe enjoyed like the second episode more because I watched the first one and then I was sort of like, okay, I I kind of see I, I kind of adjusted to the fact that like, oh, this is just gonna be like a goofy space romp thing. And then I was able to more like accept it as that because I, I think it does work as that. I like the sort of like like one of the things I like about it is the scale of it. I like that it's these small, at least so far in the first two episodes, to see small little battles. He's like dealing with like fighting one little monster or something, not like a big rhino or something. It's not like this huge space battle or a whole like the the galaxy is threatened. Right. Um I like that scale and I like sort of like the Western, the influence of like Westerns on that. You know, I think it's something unique, but it's it's definitely a not what I was expecting. It's definitely not. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the sort of like 10 million dollar an episode like hard hitter that would have carried um, a series like this. I think if. Yeah, I don't know. It's It's like a relatively small swing in in my opinion. That's what Um, it feels like, which which there's nothing wrong with. But when you hype it up as the flagship for the largest media conglomerate in the history of mankind, it feels bizarre that this is like what they put all their money behind. If the Star Wars name wasn't on it, like this would be enough, like this would be very few people would care. Yeah. Um, And I mean, maybe we're at a point where that kind of is true about every 
that may everything. be true about a lot of things. Yeah. 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 Um, and maybe that's the only way to kind of get a, a, a story about a, a, a gunslinger sold is to just throw it in with the rest of throw it onto a franchise, whether it's, you know, Marvel or Star Wars or whatever else. I think that you hit again, hit the nail on the head when you were talking about the nostalgia aspect, um, because we've gone all this time and we haven't talked about the most buzzworthy part of the the series, oh, which yeah. is that it, it features a baby Yoda, which people are very which excited about. I, I don't fully understand, but I think is not actually Yoda uh, in the timeline of the show. It's just it's not. Uh, it's Yoda, Yoda is definitely being. dead. Yes. But some people have said that it's a clone. Some people have said that it's a Yoda baby. You know, we don't we don't know. But I kind of I, I kind of don't care. Um, <laughs> I think that it just kind of like distracts from whatever. It just feels like a very conventional story. The idea of a I mean, I've definitely seen the story of grizzled man warrior has to take care of baby before. Right. That's yeah. like not yeah. a new idea. And that it's a baby Yoda is is fine, I guess. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. One thing that I did here that I want to bring more attention to because it's not getting enough play is the fact that there are no women in this show at all. This is Disney's, oh, yeah. Disney Plus's flagship show in 2019. And there has been one woman and she was under a helmet and she could have been anything. Um, that's bizarre to me. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit uh, it's a bit strange. I I would give it I would maybe, you know, for the to give them the benefit of the doubt, I would maybe give it a little bit longer to see where it's going, because we we also haven't seen that many other um, people. Yeah, like, no characters or people. At and all. there are there are women on the uh, the call list. Um, also, you're us. You're assuming Baby Yoda's gender. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. So uh, we don't know. But yeah, I would what guess, am I, I would doing? It's a male. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what the female Yoda species, whatever Yoda is called. We, that's that's the other thing I found out. About. Nobody knows what the alien that Yoda is is called. Yeah, apparently because they've kept the whole thing. George Lucas kept the entire thing like super close to the vest. One of the critics that I I love was like, I didn't realize that Yoda was an alien. I thought that's just what happened when Jedi got super old. They became really weird looking. And I was like, I never thought that, but it's not the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think there's another Yoda, like a little, like a female Yoda in the prequel trilogy. Um, I want to say their name also starts with a Y. It's like Yond Yodil. I don't know. Um, <laughs> on on Wikipedia, it says that his species is Yoda's species. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe we'll get a name out of this out of this show maybe that'll finally this will finally clear the air oh it's yaddle is the other one yaddle yes so maybe yoda and yaddle really you know hit it off i don't know it's bizarre yeah. i yeah it's weird i think this is like a really weird show <laughs> um <laughs> well it's worth mentioning you know we're i think you you are kind of like it's not good i feel a little bit more in the like i'm lukewarm on it camp like i i i don't know i legitimately will probably keep watching it and it's just like oh this is fun but it's not more it's nothing more than that to me 
um, a lot of people are loving this, you know, yeah. as a 9.1 on IMDb. And so a lot of that is probably just the Star Wars effect. But most of the people I hear talking about it are like, oh, yeah, this is great. Looks great. Uh, like production value. You know, I've heard a lot of great stuff about it and people love Baby Yoda. So, uh, you know, we might be the odd ones out. I just want to say the Mandalorian lost a fight to a bunch of Jawas. So, like... <laughs> I'm, I can't get over this. I'm sorry. It's um, I think that's I think that's fine. But I think what's a little strange is the sort of like clash of how he's presented. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, when he learns to ride this like creature, it's like the music is like, this is so epic. This is like amazing. Also, and I then, don't understand why. Why? What those creatures do that is so great for traveling they have really <laughs> they jump short over legs. the little they jump over the cracks because you and and then he walked back without it anyway yeah, so. what the fuck sorry <laughs> <laughs> i so yeah no it's I, there's there's um like i wouldn't have a problem with him not being like a like super badass if that was sort of like i guess it felt like that's how how they because you keep saying like he's he's this like you know he's this hardened warrior but it's like i don't know like that expectation is that just is is that there a i think somewhere but i don't know like where it comes from like you know it's, he's got that line in the first episode where the stormtroopers are like it's four against one and he's like i like those odds and i was like right yeah yeah what we've seen from you since does not imply that you would have won that fight. I don't know. <laughs> your your superpower, what seems to make you a really good fighter is that you can take just an absolute beating, um, which right, is just yeah. not the kind of warrior that I'm interested in. Well, that, and he has that, this. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being too particular. You know, I totally rec- he, recognize that. He also has this crazy expensive, like fancy armor that just gets shredded by anything that touches. <laughs> yeah. So what I have heard, what I have heard, um, is that only only his helmet and the the shoulder pad that he makes in the uh, okay, in that okay. first episode are that like special armor, which is right, why he's yeah. like on a quest for that. Um, yeah. They one of the people in the the saloon in the first episode is like oh is this the real armor and he like scratches it so it's like clearly not um right yeah but yeah i i respect the idea that they are trying to do something different here but they every time star wars seems to try to do something different they always seem to like just dip their toe in it they're always like afraid to actually commit to something new because there's this group of people that will be like well i guess it was a good movie but was it a good star wars movie yeah. And yeah. um that's a ridiculous double standard and something that I think is like kind of impossible to pull off. So they they end up doing this like dance of well we don't want to make the same thing that we've made over and over and over and over again, but we also can't do anything different. So what do we do here? And I think yeah. that that's where this uh I think that's where this show exists. And I'm still going to watch it. I'm not I think that it could be good. I just don't think that it's good yet. We will we'll, we'll find out. I am um, I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't know. I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's been received so well because like yeah. the the Star Wars fandom is notoriously like just like ready to shred anything that there's doesn't... only like two star wars movies that they like it's like the first yeah. two star wars movies <laughs> every Everything other star wars movie has been ripped to has... shreds yeah yeah the prequels all suck uh oh they like force awakens because it's the same movie as episode four um right yeah they hate and they hate the last jedi the last jedi yeah they don't like the ewoks and return of the jedi like there's some there's a problem with every single movie i don't know 
<laughs> so the Mandalorian, yeah, it's it's a it's it's an okay show, but it's definitely not like the it's not like the service carrying series that I think for me anyway that it needed to be. Like, um, you know, uh, I'll probably keep watching it because my brother's really into it, and he bought Disney Plus, so I'll I'll have access to his it through his. But if it was like literally just me, I don't know if I would keep paying for Disney Plus after this because there's nothing else really that I'm that interested on there besides j- just 20 minutes of Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum. Um, Which you can find on YouTube. He gives a lot of well, interviews. Act- oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. You can find plenty of the one thing I will too. say um, is that it's really I do, uh, you know, this is something that I've I've complained about a lot. So I do want to make sure that I I highlight that I'm happy that there's a show that a lot of people are watching. I feel like all of my friends have seen this show so I can talk to them about it. Even if I don't yeah. think that it's that great. I do think that it's nice to have a common show with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. That being said, everyone should watch Watchmen instead. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Do we have anything else we want to we want to touch on before we do our little plugs? Uh, yeah, I think I think we should make that a feature. I think that would be a cool thing to add. Uh, you just told everybody to watch Watchmen. Yeah, so we're gonna introduce a new little a new little segment here at the end where we're each going to recommend one thing that might be on a streaming service, might not be, but it's on television or it's a it's a movie that's out there, and we're just gonna kind of recommend it out there and say that it's kind of uh the the one thing that we're we're putting out there. So, uh, Thomas, why don't you why don't you actually go first? Um, uh, I was hoping you would go first. Oh, I, I will go first. Think about I can go what, first. Uh, what mine is going to be. So, um, I'm I'm actually gonna you know this is the first one, so I can cheat. There aren't any rules to defy yet. Um, it's true. <laughs> I want to uh, I want to plug a movie uh, first, which is you know I don't watch many movies, so this is a big deal. Um, I saw Parasite this week, and uh, let me tell you that movie is uh. That's a really good movie. Um, this is a movie people are going to be talking about for a long time. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. The The problem with, with uh, plugging this movie, and this is why it's kind of just an add-on, is because the best way to watch this movie is to know absolutely nothing about it. It's, good, it's best to walk in with no expectation of the tone or the message or the genre or literally anything. Um, it's a Korean language film. It's subtitles, but I don't, if you're, if you're an anti-subtitle person, it's, I don't think that it really slows you down at all. Yeah. I really recommend this movie. It is probably the best movie I've seen this year. I can't tell you anything else. (laughs) The only thing I'll add on is like, there's movies you watch that you immediately have a feeling of like, oh, this is one of the best movies I've seen this year. Um, Parasite for me was one that I was like, this is, this is a, a movie from this decade that I think will stand out. Um, it's just it's just flawless, like at doing what it does. Um, in my opinion, I think it's really great. Uh, it's so really rich. There's a lot of stuff yeah. going on there. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I immediately wanted. I haven't rewatched it yet, but I immediately was like, I need to sit back down and and watch this. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies that is that has a lot going on, but is still very entertaining and enjoyable. That right when you finish it, you're like, I could totally watch that again right now. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to plug is. HBO's Watchmen, um, which is airing right now. I think the fifth episode just 
aired last night on Sunday. We're recording this on Monday, which was my favorite episode of the series so far. Um, I recapped the first couple for a website called Custard TV, um, and then I, I got a different project. But I will be going back to do it the the end of the series once that airs. The show is, like, fascinating. I think that you can enjoy it even if you don't, even if you aren't familiar with the Watchmen universe. It's really well made. It's from Damon Lindelof, who created The Leftovers and Lost, which are two of my favorite shows. He kind of just has this really rich like the whole thing is is again very rich every everything you see on screen has thought put behind it and if you want to pause it and watch any episode twice you can find the history or the like a, a message from that but i think that this is a really interesting thing to talk about because we keep talking about all these th- we were talking earlier about how the only way to maybe get a gunslinger show made is to kind of trojan horse it into star wars And with stuff being remade all the time or rebooted, um, Watchmen kind of falls into that camp. But it's a really creative and uh, frankly ingenious way of doing that, where it's making a sequel to the original comic slash movie. And it takes place 30 years after that. And it kind of just envisions where the world would have gone over that period of time, how those events in the original comic would have created this other world um and it and it kind of is like a distant sequel that pays a lot of homage to that original and builds off of it and reiterates a lot of the same themes but does it in a new context yeah i love the way and this is kind of a david lindelof thing in general is i love the way i have no familiarity with the uh, story at all but the experience of getting to like discover uh the weirdness of the world um just sort of like as it unfolds without like a real heavy hand explaining it to you is is uh just yeah it's a great experience yeah no i think that it's i think that it's the best show airing right now and i think it's definitely one of the best shows of the year so what about you what are you gonna now that that i've rambled and given you time to collect your thoughts I um, am going to feel dumb for doing it, but I'm going to do it because I really have no other option. Um, But I'm very late to the party, but still not enough people are talking about this show. So I'm just going to mention that I just caught up with Succession. And uh, and it's it's one of my favorite shows that I've watched in a while. It it was a hit for my wife and I. We both just really got into it. Um, we were like fully invested. And uh, so if you haven't seen it, there's only two seasons. You can binge those uh, really quickly. And I do think that um, it's one of those shows that people are going to get caught up on before the third yeah. season comes out. And the yeah. third season is going to be um, much more monoculture-y um, yeah. for what it's worth. I, I think I think we're going to hear more about this show in the future. So if you haven't taken that leap yet, uh, it's definitely definitely worth doing. I will say that I think the show's a little slow getting off the ground, which is kind of the thing I've been telling anybody who wants to jump into it. Yeah. It's it's like a definitely an awkward um, introduction. Like the the tone of it is very difficult to to get a feel for off the bat. I thought the first two episodes I watched, I was like, this is a hilarious like fifty minute comedy. Yeah. Um, like it's very funny, like in a brutal sort of like dark twisted way out of the gate. Um, but then like as as it develops, I got more and more invested in the drama. Um, and it's it's one of these shows there there's something that like a lot of my favorite shows, uh, whether it's earlier parts of Game of Thrones or The Wire or The Sopranos, will do this thing where they'll sort of give you an array of characters that have competing interests 
and that are, that are often twisted or despicable in certain ways. They're not very sympathetic. Um, and then it'll use the power of like story structure and filmmaking and storytelling and like hit those characters against each other and make you root for people who really you hate or sympathize with people that you dislike or dislike people, you know, who are maybe doing the right thing in certain circumstances, uh, which I think is a really interesting experience as for a viewer yeah. and something that I've only really experienced in certain TV shows. And so I, I think this is another show that does that in a really interesting way. I think that's a, a big advantage um, that TV has over film in just that it can, yeah. the amount of time that you spend with a character allows you to get to that point. Yeah, you don't have time to start out hating them and then start liking them and then start hating them again. There's just, you know, the arcs have to be more um, simplistic. Yeah. Uh, so Succession's anyway, great. Good show. Big fan. Worth, worth checking out. So I, I know a lot of other people are already saying it, but I'll add my voice to the pile because uh, however many people are talking about it, it's not enough. I'm glad that you have joined the party. I recommend the Twitter account No Context Succession for you. They just post screenshots with the subtitles on from different parts of the episodes. And they're so funny out of context, but also they remind you of like great moments in the show. Um, yeah. Favorite Twitter account. Anyways, um, anything you want to plug before we we head out? Uh, if you want to see more of me, if you're not tired of me rambling about things that I watch, uh, I have a YouTube channel <laughs> where I do more of that. So uh, Thomas Flight. On Thomas YouTube. Flight. Yes. Uh, Th Thomas Flight. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Skip Intro. Um, I'm also maybe producing something on other channels that I don't think I'm really allowed to talk about yet, but um, I will definitely plug it on my channel. Um, and yeah, I guess we will talk to you guys next next month about the streaming wars. See you then. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need some kind of streaming related sign off. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything uh, either. Uh, until next time. Uh, are you still uh, watching? <laughs> are you still listening? Are you still watching? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>